say. Can you, can you verify this for me? I mean, some people here don't understand. I mean, what is soul? Allora, adesso te lo dico io. Cos'è soul? Non importa come lo fai. Più alto possibile, meglio è. Pensavi di saperlo tutto. Nel suono giù nell'Atlantico. Col miglior ritmo su questo pianeta. Canta se vuoi, non ti sbaglierai. Accendi questa bomba. Yeah, welcome to this. This is definitely the end. This is the end. My only friend. The end. This is Dr. Groove. This will be the 124th edition of Plague Tapes. Uh, what we now say is when you don't say not detected, you just say not yet detected because the inevitability of getting COVID-19 is coming to us all. Um, Andrew will explain all that. I'm really close contact now in the last week and uh, just totally expecting it to happen. So uh, that's that's where we're at. Uh, what else was I going to say to you? Well, this week, yeah, so we're going to do one hour of music. Andrew's going to come back and explain how uh, the inevitability of it all. And then I'm just, we're all going to move on with our lives and this will be part of it we may be getting it every whatever it is every three months every four months so i don't know yeah anyway uh let's not concentrate not let's concentrate on what's coming up so obviously patrick's weekend it's it's kind of now become synonymous with covid anyway so i thought it's an appropriate time to do the last one because we were just going into patrick's St. Patrick's weekend and all that and all the craziness and uh, it was full steam ahead back in 2020 and we kind of managed to persuade uh, persuade people that that might not be such a good idea and here we are two years later uh, and we're back we're definitely back um, so I would assume that a lot of people went out on uh, Patrick's night and maybe came back or maybe haven't even come back yet and it was it reminded me of a song I heard when I was really young gonna play a single now by the specials and uh, I was too young to be getting up to this kind of devilment at that stage but I knew that those days were ahead of me 
Um, and you know, the impetuous adventures of youth. That's a good thing, eh? Uh, I'm glad I had them. Okay, welcome to Plague Tapes 124. The final one.
don't show it. The reason that you're cool is cause you're from the old school and they know it.
indeed okay so that was the fontaines dc they've got a new single out i'm going to be playing that as well later but well no not this show but you know soon to come we started with the specials we had a little bit of duran duran very nostalgic couldn't really do the whole song um the corgis everybody's got to learn sometime have we learned anything out of this pandemic that's a good question uh saint etienne 52 pilot prince all the critics love you in new york i hope so uh the x uh maybe i was a was the pilot uh pj harvey with crawl tom york with harrow down hill and that uh, I don't belong, and the reason why I played I don't belong is because I think plague tapes fits into that category of not belonging to anybody, and definitely we were not following the constructed narrative, um, and that was important because that way didn't really didn't really suit I think a lot of people in terms of uh, what we were talking about there, you know. The message was definitely managed uh, at a top level. Um, and public health often, you know, it seemed to take a backseat, particularly around, let's never forget, the Christmas of the debacle of Christmas um, 2020. Um, okay, where are we going from here? Oh, yeah, so I have another song they're going to play, and then we're going to play more that was all vinyl by the way all 45s and this is a 45 and this is how i feel about uh covid19 at this stage um i'm just waiting to actually for it to walk into the room then i'm going to put my two hands into the air as soon as i get those two lines on my antigen test and i'm going to say i surrender
I don't even know what you need, but I'm relaxed. I don't. The sister's boys gotta take it. The sister's boys gotta take it. I don't even know what you need, but I'm
tapes ever um, I surrender that was all about it's coming for us it's coming for me it's coming for you the whole thing has been I think like everything else we'll get more perspective the longer we put between ourselves and it but it's been deeply sad um, ultimately and I think we all need to reflect on what's happened so I don't belong to the narrative that we just all get back to work and it's all fine. Um, this song, for some reason, because I suppose country country is where it's at when it comes to, well, blues and country. They're pretty closely aligned. Um, this is a song that goes back to 77. I remember it when I was a child. I heard it in a lot of the bars where... Uh, I was hanging out, playing pool, and you know that sort of thing. That was that was my upbringing, and uh, I think it captures it. I'm going to play this tune. I'm going to play another, and we'll do the news. Um, I want to thank everybody who's encouraged us, both Andrew and I, for doing plague tapes. And yeah, you know as well as I do that we got through it together. Um, long before they started putting that in as part of the constructed narrative. So if we got through this together, think of the things that we can do when we put our minds to it in terms of changing things. Anyway, uh, here is Crystal to tell you about how it makes, you know, how sadness inflicts into our or affects our lives. Yeah, that's pretty much it. been so blue don't know what's come over you you found someone and don't it make my brown eyes blue I'll be fine when you're gone I'll just cry all night long 
and if solutions within this system are so impossible to find, then maybe we should change the system itself. Some foreign power, some group of terrorists. If you don't know your past, then you don't know your future. Listeners and welcome to what is, what will be, what is the final plague tapes uh, ever. Uh, if we do another one, it'll be I don't know, it'll be a different type of Armageddon. Something will gone wrong. I'd, I'd be uh, yeah. I mean, well, final I was, final is a little bit too brave now. I think. Uh, but, uh, I just it has to be over. See. It has to be we'll over. Um, I think it's in, it's inevitable that. Likely it should rather end. than definite. Yeah, it I should end. It should end with with us getting to both testing positive <coughs> for COVID. But um, and also, as one other friend of mine said, um, how many of the horsemen of the apocalypse have shown up so far? Yeah. So, if another one appears, like war, what is it? War, famine, plast pestilence. I mean, they're they're all. We've kind of got all of them. Haven't we? We've got all of them. Well, almost all of them. Well, we're more going to an insect and inst- extinction oh, period nice. rather than that. I think pestilence is insects, isn't it? Yeah. Whatever. Anyway, yeah, it'll be a different. If it comes back, it'll be a different thing. That's what I'm saying. So this is quite appropriate because it's the 18th of March, and definitely with the pandemic, uh, March and Paddy's Day is. We're really two years on from that famous picture of that one guy who was naked <laughs> in Temple Bar railing his fists against the security cameras um, and that was the that was the that was the Paddy's Day that the government was kind of like full steam ahead let's have a big party do you remember that? and then bailed yeah and yeah. then bailed but thankfully bailed because yeah. of like good good um, good advice or maybe just public pressure um, anyway, tell me what the hell is going on. I'm really close to getting COVID now, Andrew. So tell me, <laughs> tell me what exactly. Don't tell me what happens when you do get COVID because you don't know. But tell me how likely it is that we're all going to get it. Um, this is the end game of it being endemic, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, yeah. It's 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 the end game of removing restrictions uh, when you don't have a sterilising vaccine. So. Uh, that means you're kind of accepting that it's just going to circulate, and because the the variants it's evolved so far appear to be very infectious, transmissible, whatever term you want to use, yeah. uh, uh, it'll circulate a lot. Um, we're going through what uh, I think Philip Nolan said was the exit wave at the moment. I think that probably has the wrong impression that there won't be other waves, but. Uh, uh, that that's kind of where we're in the moment. So we've got hospitalizations are now the second highest they've been in the pandemic. Um, although they're saying a lot of those are incidental, and uh, I think everybody at the moment knows well, multiple people who yeah. are positive. I like I it's 
they've changed testing so much and I think also because a lot of people do have the sense of well this is over so they'll probably even if they say antigen testing they're probably not reporting results unless they need it for sick pay or whatever uh, so it's hard to know exactly how many but I would not be surprised if the last week has seen somewhere between 300,000 and a half million people infected um, uh, you know not all that's such a significant figure for a population of what? Well, that's up to ten percent of the population. Yeah, 10% yeah, yeah, of yeah. Population. Uh, but like phenomenal. that's just—it's uh, a wild guess because the the official numbers would be below that. Where would we be at the moment? Actually, official numbers would probably be in the region of eighty thousand. So yeah, uh, so basically, it, it's definitely over two and a half times that, and it could be eight times that, is, or seven times that. Is what I'm suggesting. Um, when, when they give us an official figure, do they just admit that that's just being plucked out of the arse? Or yeah, it's not plucked like out of the arse, but it's <laughs> it, it's over 55s are the only ones who automatically qualify for PCR testing at the moment and healthcare yeah. workers. So that yeah. that's, you know, what's that, a third of the population maybe? Uh, and then everybody else is up to them to self-report positive antigens, which, as I said, you're probably doing if you need... There's a reason to do that. Yeah, like if you have to go to work and you're saying, yeah, yeah if you need sick pay or something, basic, and they yeah. want proof. Um, but uh, you know, I think there's a lot of people are, are testing positive or not bothering to get tested, and you know, so they're not in the figures at all. Uh, so that that's where we are now. We've seen this quite. I'm just back from a, a week in Malta uh, uh, because once it became obvious that the strategy was to just open up and and. and Let's see where it went to. Open I decided I, I'd, I'd sooner I'd sooner pick up my first dose on uh, by doing something that was fun <laughs> than pick it up in the office <laughs> or, or the equivalent. So uh, um, so far I'm still te I was testing not detected, whoever. So maybe I didn't succeed in, in that plan. Um, but we now call this not yet detected not because yet detected we're so in we're so inevitable yeah. that we're all going to get yeah, it. Yeah, I was yeah. saying like I was comparing it yesterday to if you've a gang of people throwing tennis balls at you and they've got an <laughs> infinite pile and you're dodging the tennis balls, you know at a certain point you're going to get whacked by one of them. Yeah, uh, you know, you're just walking back and forth across a court <laughs> and there's lots of people throwing tennis balls yeah, at you. Yeah, so. Yeah. So that's where we are. So, um, so what? Can, well, okay. So what I was going to say was. Oh no! Hold on. Tell me this. You were saying the second highest ever. Yes. So in the, the pandemic. When? What? What was the highest? The highest was January last year. January of last year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, that was like the post Christmas debacle. Yes. I do remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. that I think we peaked at about 2014 hospital at that point, and. This week we had about a thousand and eighty, right? So back this year, this January, I think we peaked at a thousand and forty. So we're a bit above that peak of a couple of months back. Uh, so I spotted that happening about twelve days ago. I think I think the, the the Monday before I headed off on holidays, I I did a tweet thread going, "Oh look, hospital figures have started going up again." Yeah. Uh, and in fact, they went up quite rapidly. I mean, they almost doubled basically in the space of about ten days. However, it looks to me like it might actually be peaking. Um, because the last three days are actually very slightly down. Right. If you know, if you, if you add up the total admissions over seven days, yeah, total new hospital cases over seven days, that went quite quickly up from I think about five eighty to about twelve sixty okay. over that that period of about ten days. But the last three days have been twelve sixty, you know, twelve 
55 1250 sort of thing you know so not not a, a, a uh, no sorry. no you would say like they were kind of plateauing yeah not, not 12 like... sorry 1080 1070 1000 and and you know okay uh, all right 75 so it's kind of like yeah it went shooting up and the now it's kind of straightened right. and fallen yeah. a little bit so that could be a, a peak uh although i would rather expect we'll probably see a peak again up from Paddy's day in about 10 days time yeah that's what I was going to say like surely the amount of stuff that's been going on the last two days is going to you'd imagine you'd imagine yeah spread. I mean there, there is the thing that there's been so many people infected recently and, and you, you know the population's probably divided into people who are still being reasonably careful and people who you know decided it's over uh, and a lot of that second group are people who have been infected uh, so the, if it's recent they're less likely to get infected again immediately. That's that. Even that's a little bit uncertain because, of course, we know we talking about people this morning. We've we've heard of who uh, were infected in December or January and have have, uh, have caught COVID again already, <laughs> which is one of the, the somewhat worrying aspects of it. Um, and the uh, there's a report out from the UK Health Security Agency. Uh, saying they now have, I think it's 64 cases of people who've had COVID four times with at least 90 days between each occurrence. Um, that's why they're sure it's, it's a separate one for each time. And so, no, sorry, that's how many people? 60? 64 or something. 64. I mean, it's roughly that. Uh, and I think 6,700 who've had it three times, again, with the same 90-day requirements. So, um, so yeah, I think with restrictions removed, then we're looking at most people probably getting COVID relatively frequently. Um, maybe, I mean, you could certainly say maybe every four months would be a reasonable expectation or six months, uh, you know, oh, unlikely to be longer than a year. So that that is one of the uh, great unknowns as what effect that's going to have. Um, I.e. If, if your chance of being hospitalized is one in 250 with your first infection the second infection is it less and how much less yeah, is it? of course um and we're kind of hoping i guess that that becomes re there's a reasonable reduction each time um so that takes some of the pressure out of healthcare so was the is the theory here that the the immune system just gets better and better at detecting it and fighting it. Yeah, it gets... I mean, so one of our, one of our problems is that coronaviruses were not studied that deeply, you know, because common cold was felt to be harmless. Yeah. Um, and so going into the pandemic, the amount of information we had about their behaviour was not. It's not wasn't huge, and some of the kind of some of the uh, accepted wisdom on it turned out to be quite wrong. In particular, the idea that they didn't mutate very much, or that mutation was very slow. And of course, yeah, with, we had like fifteen hundred mutations. Yeah, with the march of the variants, we go, oh no, actually, that that's not right. the way it it, yeah. it is. And it kind of like retrospectively, that kind of makes it's not that surprising that that's the way it went. Um, that there'd been some studies. I mean, I think I might have talked about this on the show in the summer where I'd, I'd come across a couple of studies that had looked at how often people were getting reinfected. And it did appear to be sort of six months to a year. And yeah. sort of saying, mm, well, you know, it's likely then COVID-19 is actually going to be similar. Yeah. Uh, and I think with this current wave, we've seen that because um, a, a lot of people seem to be reporting getting infected in intervals that are as low as five or six weeks. Now, possibly that's because the initial infection was Delta and then Omicron was different enough that 
it evaded whatever immunity you had against, well, whatever antibody-based immunity you had against Delta. Um, but, yeah, so I think the, the big unknown question will be, will we continue to see a cycle of variants so that, you know, you get yeah. one, but that doesn't really stop you being infected by another one. So you yeah. just get Delta, Omicron, Beta, Omicron, Delta, you know, that sort of shuffle and maybe some new ones thrown in there. Or uh, will those intervals stretch out a bit further? Um, okay. Yeah, but I mean, I, based on the experience of the common colds, like the, the four of them, which are coronavirus ones, probably it would be reasonable to expect infection maybe once a year anyway, and quite possibly it would average out at around every six months. Um, was there, there is, isn't there talk about a different variant as well? Is that like now? Well, there's B. So Omicron, so there's an offshoot of Omicron called BA2, which. The we're seeing a surge in, in cases across Europe. It's not just in Ireland, and not everywhere has opened up in the same way we have. Now the opening up is somewhat synchronised because countries tend to copy each other. Uh, but certainly, uh, the, uh, some people feel that the the case surge isn't just the, the changes in restrictions. Well, removal of restrictions essentially, okay, but it's also Omicron as well. That, that, right. that that's a contributing factor. And this variant is also supposed to be more infectious than Omicron, which was. More infectious than Delta, which was more. Yeah, infectious I mean, than I, the I'm somewhat wary of, of more infectious because to know it was more infectious in that sense, you'd need to have an a, 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 an immunologically naive population to try it out on, oh, and right. it could well be that if you we found some islands where nobody had been infected yeah. and you divided the population into two halves and threw Delta at one and Omicron at the other, that they yeah. both get infected at equal rates, uh, but. Omicron is able to evade the immunity against infection that people got from from Delta. Yeah, uh, you know that, and that like in terms of that kind of ties into what they're seeing in terms of antibody studies as well. Okay, uh, you know that that it turns out previous infection was not particularly effective at stopping you being infected by Omicron, and that's why South Africa had that big wave so quickly after okay. Beta and then Delta. Uh, but fortunately, uh, protection against consequences did hold up relatively well. So it's why you had lots of cases, but relatively uh, lower number of hospitalizations because that level of immunity was holding. Okay. So, I mean, that kind of brings us up to speed with where we're at at the moment. So is there... I know we haven't really put much distance between ourselves and it, but... Have you got any thoughts in terms of the big trajectory of where we came from, from two two Paddy's days ago to where we're at now? Um, I mean, yeah, it's hard, it's hard to formulate them exactly. Uh, like, I think our, our experience in Ireland was relatively, was a lot less worse than, than some other places. Well, definitely true. Uh, but then other, like New Zealand was being the obvious example handled things a lot better and perhaps was partially placed and able to do that yeah uh so you know like, like if you look at the simple uh levels of deaths per million or whatever uh you know about half that of, of england for instance um and about a quarter that of eastern europe well yeah. particularly romania and bulgaria um and excess deaths the in fact the gap is even bigger uh and that's partially driven by the fact we had very few icus so that a, a need to lock down happens earlier than it did in other countries. Uh, so in a strange way, because the UK had the NHS, mm. they just went, 
fucking gung ho straight at it. Yeah, rather, be- rather, but they probably would have done that anyway. Yeah, I mean, given yeah. their history. Well, uh, yeah, and I, 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 the, I mean, if you remember the this time two years back, uh, there was that big focus on opening up. Uh, I don't know if they actually called them fever hospitals, but they were essentially fever hospitals. So they turned the Millennium Dome into a giant hospital and all that. Yeah, right? the story of that. Yeah. And and that, and that happened with City West here. Now yeah. that was when the plan was not to do very much, allow lots of people to get infected, and then essentially try and protect the existing health system by sticking them in kind of things that were really just beds in a very big hall. Uh, and people would either make it or not kind make of field it. hospitals, weren't they? It's yeah, kind of well, like that fever hospitals is the classic term for but that. But it felt like a war, you know, in a yeah. war scenario near the front, you're just sitting in some sort of yeah. place and getting very basic treatment. Yeah, yeah and, and I think what upset that plan was the ICU issue that then emerged in Italy, it became obvious in Italy, although if you're paying attention, it was obvious in China, in yeah. that actually a very large fraction of people were sick enough that in order to treat them at all you have to have quite a detailed intervention that required ICU units yeah. uh, and you couldn't stick those people in field hospitals because it would be transparently obvious you were just sticking them in there to die like yeah. they, they just wouldn't have had a hope uh, so that then was what drove uh, the change of strategy in a lot of countries to to lockdowns basically because yeah. uh, it was either you locked down to stop the flow of people in, into ICU or you didn't and then a lot of people in particular a lot of younger people yeah. uh, would then die because without that intervention they wouldn't have been saved and because we had very very small surplus numbers we hit that point ahead of other places yeah um you know so it, it, i i think that that's kind of part of the thing like i think so i think we we did relatively well in comparison with a lot of the rest of europe but a good chunk of the reason we did relatively well is because we didn't have the available health resources which sounds counterintuitive but yeah. but that that's why it played out in that yeah. particular well i remember you telling me about the the wave when it hit belgium and, and france it was the same kind of thing they had really good yeah belgium is about six icus for every one of ours by yeah, population exactly. yeah. so and then but at the same time they thought they could ride it out on that basis yeah. and kind of get to herd immunity this whole herd immunity thing just seemed to no matter how much <laughs> no matter how much it was rubbished from the very start they just kept persisting throughout all of like a lot of the early pandemic mm. i think um and i think that that's because it became part of the narrative because it allowed businesses to open up again like i mean it was that you know it was it was used as a mechanism whereby that was the easiest path for them to navigate to get back to yeah conceptually economy, you know? conceptually that focus was a bit similar to the fever hospitals <coughs> idea like the yeah. fever hospitals was a way of basically most people would have got quite inadequate medical care and we'd have had a lot more deaths because of it yeah. but that wouldn't have been all that obvious that yeah. that was happening or it would have been sort of obvious in retrospect or maybe people would have accepted it as an emergency or whatever um, and then that that got knocked off and then that thing that then got started to get talked about was the idea that yeah, what we actually need is for everybody to get infected or the healthy people to get infected and then that would be enough population immunity that uh, will we'll stop it spreading yeah. uh, and of course at this stage we know that actually wasn't going to be the way it worked out now we didn't no. necessarily know that at the time although actually it should have been obvious because respiratory viruses 
they generally behave in the way we're, we're seeing this behaving, you know, like flu or Yeah, so it would have been a total anomaly if it yeah. had been, if it had behaved in a different way. Yeah, you don't, I mean, like, now that I know more now than I did then, the, the, um, the in, uh, virus, viral infections that you get long-lasting immunity from are generally ones that when they get into the body, they then have to go into the, the blood system and get distributed to somewhere else. So they're right. basically active in your body for a while. Yeah. Uh, and that means that your uh, immune system can activate even if it hasn't seen them in quite a long time and, yeah. and, and then block them. Okay. Um, uh, but that's not respiratory viruses. Obviously, it's the nose, it's the lungs. Um, yeah. And you don't have that much in the way of active antibodies uh, in your nose, for instance, uh, okay. so that that's why it worked that way. But yeah, so that that was the the, the herd immunity thing. So, like that, it was it was um, the main issue with that. I think is if you look at the early phase, was the intense dishonesty. I don't know if it's dishonesty or wishful thinking research where there were all these some of them quite eminent scientists trying to prove that actually the amount of cases we were seeing was like a 20th or a 50th of the number of people infected. So we were already out of immunity. So, yeah. you know, like if you, if you think back to a bit over two years ago, you'd have had people insisting that Sweden had reached herd immunity, yeah, I remember you know, that, that sort yeah. of thing, and that yeah. you only needed 20% of the population infected. And because we, na- we now know all that stuff was, was rubbish. And even if it hadn't been rubbish, immunity would have waned. But also with the way that that was being presented, like what flies in the face of the way science works as well like so they're t- like because emotions don't come into research you know yeah, I think possibly it's also the way science works <laughs> <laughs> well okay that's a bigger there's debate. an ideal of how science works and a reality too yeah. but uh, and, and, and like part of the way science actually works is that what's discovered is what the funders pay to be discovered well, in stuff as well true. like there's all sorts of distorting influences on what might be considered pure it's science it's not as pure as it should be yeah yeah exactly okay. so I, I think we, we saw those issues wrestling out and then do you think the, the factor like the other thing that there's two bits that I remember I think that we were in a fortunate position because the government hadn't really formed yeah so the NEFID really got in the driver's seat early on mm. and then as a government formed and as it became more influential, we saw this uh, drifting away of like of what I felt was that public health being the primary concern started to get, uh, there was a diminution of that through governments forming and through the, and that particularly played out in relation to December 2020 and the reopening. Mm. Um, and then since then, I've felt that this has continued apace and the other thing that I is a takeaway for me is that there's such a lack of awareness of the trauma that people have experienced both frontline workers but even everybody else and now we're in the midst of this everybody needs to return to work which is going to cause I mean it is already causing consternation but it's because there's no recognition of what people have gone through mm. it seems like a very um, a very a uh, I don't know what's the word. A very naive way of approaching things, not not to recognise what has happened, mm. to just glibly say, "It's great, we all did this together. Well done, everybody. You got a thousand euros if you're a health worker. Now everybody has to be back and work by the first of April or whatever the hell it is, right?" So just like, it seems like very little has been learned from the whole experience. But I mean, those are the, those are my kind of highlights that I'm not going to forget in a hurry. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, and I think the other thing here was that the, the collective response in a society level was very strong, particularly in the initial phase. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, like essentially the reason we actually had a shutdown early on as well uh, was that they were Neffet uh, and the government got concerned that the population were acting ahead of the public health advice you know yeah. so there was a lot of contra- some of the, there was some obvious controversies around that like you know nursing homes stopping allowing visitors and then yeah. Neffet saying you have to allow visitors again and then yeah. some people felt that was responsible for, for a lot of the deaths that followed although that's not necessarily the case uh, but you know like there was so lots of pubs started shutting before the actual official order went down like yeah. a lot of family owned places uh, yeah. you know all, all that Sort sort of stuff started happening, so I mean there was that, and then I mean the first lockdown was very like nearly everybody stuck to it, yeah, very tightly. I mean you know the city went completely dead, you know, Uh, and obviously the subsequent ones were somewhat different to that, Uh, but uh, you know so I think that that that's probably the other important thing to acknowledge in terms of why particularly the first wave wasn't as bad here as it might have been, yeah. and also that we did that before the UK. I mean, the yeah. UK is a great... Yeah, they waited another week and, like, and they, like, look at the consequences yeah, 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 of that, yeah. you know. Um, and then obviously the vaccine rolled out because most, nearly everybody, well, nearly all adults got vaccinated yeah. uh, and quite quickly. So, um, like, the, that's why a lot of Eastern Europe did so much worse than us, particularly in the last few months, because they'd lower vaccination rates. And there's a really interesting comparison if you look at New Zealand and Hong Kong. Right. Uh, because they both they both kind of went for a zero COVID strategy for most of the pandemic. Um, then New Zealand has had also had a very successful vaccination program. Almost all adults again getting vaccinated, and Hong Kong didn't, uh, and bizarrely had a, a particular problems with elderly people. Okay. Uh, particularly the over the population over eighty, so they quite high levels of vaccination. Interesting. So they've once yeah. they opened up. So both yeah. those countries have recently opened up. Uh, New Zealand, of course, sure, cases shooting through the roof, so did Hong Kong. But Hong Kong has seen a massive amount of deaths, basically, because of that vaccine hesitancy, particularly among older people. And New Zealand hasn't, because... I mean, do you, and do you, I mean I'm sure, like, if you dig down into that, there must be some sort of, like, there's a political leaning to it. Like, yeah. You know, the way in, in terms of the North as well. Yeah, I wouldn't claim to be an, like, an expert in it from that point but of in view. Terms of the, like, there, seem, there, there are a few different things going on. Yeah, um, yeah, I'd imagine um, it's definitely... Yeah, including quite a strong faith in traditional medicine, apparently. Ah, and, okay, right. um, but also a kind of distrust of the state, and like, so yeah, there's yeah, a lot of different same, things going yeah, on. I saw that played out. Yeah. Um, okay, um, so, yeah, I didn't have any other... I don't have any... I never have big thoughts in relation to this. It's just all about <laughs> feelings. Um... Uh, and you successfully avoided it so far, so that's great. So far, so, well, I was on a Ryanair flight what twenty six hours ago, so we'll, we'll see now over We're the next keep day or two, yeah, two yeah. as to, to what happens. Uh, it was funny, like so. I, I basically, yeah, as I said, I decided I'd, you know, I was going to start doing stuff because I might as well uh, pick it up, doing something I actually like doing, than hanging around to like catch the work yeah, or whatever yeah. else. Exactly. Um, and uh, so I went to Malta, which was interesting because Malta still. Like everybody's still wearing masks, basically. Like I've seen more people wearing masks on walking on the streets in Malta than I, I've seen in the local here. Tesco's, basically. Yeah. Um, and you start to wear them for transport and all the rest. Uh, so it was kind of interesting going from Ireland there and then coming back. And actually, when I was catching my flight and checking in, the uh, the 
check it, you know, going to a check-in person was saying, have you got all your, you know, your 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 vaccine certificate and your pack, your, your passenger locator form? Yeah. And I, I nearly went, yeah, no, we don't need to do that anymore. And then I went, oh, I don't want to do that because then they're maybe they're going to go, oh, no, you do, and I won't get on the flight because yeah, yeah, they're not up to date. So I just said, yeah, 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 it's, it's, all, it's all in the... Um, the form which it was because I just yeah put you sure. put it, uploaded my documents both ways but yeah. uh yeah so it was kind of strange coming back to uh Dublin at, at midnight and uh coming out into revivals and like 10% of people waiting for people wearing masks so well the, my the, my experience was flying from Dublin which is a practically deserted uh airport on the 2nd of February and arriving into Heathrow, oh, and yeah, it was yeah, just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh my God, there's no pandemic going on here at all. It was just packed, monged with people. And it was just like, we're totally overstimulated because we hadn't seen that many people in so long. So, <laughs> And it was the same experience on the way back. So Yeah, so so basically like there's a sequence of countries emerging out of yeah. it. And some are... You know, Malta, ahead of the curve. Yeah, like Malta, when that. I was there, you still had to... Be, show a vaccine set to go into a museum but if I'd have been there two weeks earlier yeah. uh, you'd have not only needed that for restaurants but I don't think more than six people could gather outdoors as well you know so that the, but you know so it's it's in, in terms of that high vaccinated countries uh, every, I think everybody is on their way out of it somewhat gingerly yeah. they'll all see waves like we're seeing at the moment as a result of that uh, and th- th- those waves will see significant hospitalizations because generally through the pandemic Old, older people were more careful than younger people uh, so the, that proportion of that population yet to be yet to their first exposure is higher uh, so that's also what we're looking at at the moment I think um, but I think that like the uh, one of the because I think a lot of people are still understandably pretty nervous about this yeah. um, and uh, I mean I'm nervous about it you know like it's sort of I was talking to a friend about this yesterday and you, kind of, you can know what the facts and figures are in your head but you spend two years trying to avoid this thing, so it's very hard to yeah. just simply let go of that. I wouldn't even say let go. You don't want to let go completely. You don't want to. You could, the longer you, it's like you know. I, I, what I was going to say was like the actual data now suggests that it's probably similar to the flu in terms of severity if you actually catch it. Yeah. Uh, for for like providing you've been vaccinated and boosted, preferably actually. So if you've been boosted, you're looking at a similar threat level to the, to, uh, the flu. But unfortunately, it's much more transmissible, which means that most of us probably only pick the flu up every three years yeah you know? and then maybe once you know like a proper proper years, na- yeah, proper, proper flu, flu. like yeah. we tend to call everything flu but the proper yeah. flu where you actually you know you're in bed for a week till stuff. Floored. Yeah. yeah yeah we didn't get that very frequently because it's not that infectious whereas uh covid's a lot more infectious so even though the percentage chance if you get covid or you get the flu of ending up in hospital or, or dying are probably similar now uh, the problem is you're just going to be getting covered much more frequently. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. Now maybe we'll fade out to be look, with multiple exposures to be like the common cold, so it won't be that big deal. You'll feel sick for a couple of days. Maybe it won't. We don't yeah. know. We don't we'll, know we'll that. Be, That's the other thing. We'll be seeing that. Like but. I feel like we've been going through this for two years, where yeah. we've always said like uh, we can't really. You were saying like more than me. Obviously, you were saying I can't really call it. We kind of need more data on yeah, this. Yeah. And yeah. Like, come back in a couple of weeks we'll probably have more data and we'd always we could come back continuously and always have a little bit more information but because it's really only been going for two years we can't tell the no, answers no. So. you know and like that's one of our big fears I think a lot of people still have is long COVID um, yeah and we don't know anything about we that. don't really no. know yet yeah because the I mean 
to really understand what it is, so most of the figures in long COVID, so you'll see, like for instance, lots of people are citing this, uh, 10 to 20% of people get long COVID, right? Um, and there's two problems with that figure. It, it's from a WHO report. Okay. Uh, and, and basically that WHO report came out in the autumn and it was looking at research that was running up to a few months previously. So actually it's, it's, a, it's a pre-vaccination figure because at that point very few people would have so it, we're talking about june 2021 well yeah because essentially yeah. in order to call it long covid somebody would have had to be infected and then they would have had to still have symptoms after 12 weeks and of course it doesn't deal with any of so the that's variants or any yeah. of the other stuff so that's pushing that so. back into 2020 and then yeah. the second problem is that m most of that work is based on on people doing a questionnaire essentially and you know do you suffer from fatigue you know what anxiety whatever else you know yeah. uh, and uh, if you've had covid and so you might get 20% of people say yes to fatigue, right? But the, the other thing is if you did a general survey of people in society and said, do you suffer from fatigue? Yeah. You might well be saying yes, even though you didn't have COVID. Particularly in a lockdown. Uh, yeah, so, <laughs> so what, like... what you really want is the differential figure between people who've had COVID and then everybody else in society. And if one is 5% and the other is 8%, then you'd, yeah. you've got a better idea of where it is. Uh, that work ha hasn't really been done much. The little bit that has been done is is a bit reassuring because it suggests it's far less common, particularly if you have been if you're vaccinated and boosted. Like it's that risk doesn't go to zero, but it becomes uh, a much smaller one. But it's definitely like, yeah, are we going to find out in two years' time that actually after your third or your fourth or your fifth in infection, then it turns yeah. out that you know three percent of the population have it, or five percent, or ten percent. That could have an absolutely enormous impact on us. True, but uh, uh, I feel like we're kind of at the end of a movie though here, in terms of play tapes, and then it'll be like with the credits are rolling, and then it'll be like <laughs> Andrew went on to get COVID five times. <laughs> Dermot got two COVID twice and was institutionalised after that, and we never heard from him again. So. Like that's the it's kind of like the way it is. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's not like I think we're part of that is an understanding that we're not actually going to go back to the a return to a normal in any sort of short term frame. Yeah, uh, that it's going to be a nuisance basically yeah. at, at least for another couple of, couple of years. Yeah, uh, like you know, kind of people who seem to know what they're talking about think it will it will remain significant probably for about three years. Yeah, uh, and would slowly become less significant over. Yeah, that. somebody said that a lot. Well, I can't remember now. Quite some time, they were saying that like plagues last, you know, five years. Yeah, yeah. So that would keep us in the same kind of trajectory. Um. Okay. The other thing I want to say it's like you. This was all your work in terms of. So it was quite amazing. It was great to actually get because I totally did not listen to any of the nonsense or the constructed narrative or the managed spin that was coming from so many different quarters um, and just being able to talk to you and ask you the questions and get the get an honest opinion about what was really going on was invaluable so it was great that you did that so thank you very much I'm saying that on behalf of the 15 listeners out there listening to us now <laughs> that's what we're, we're down to <laughs> no I have no idea yeah, I don't know those guys are still, why Donald, still Donald will tell us hopefully Donald if you're listening to this tell us how many people are listening out there um, but anyway it's been amazing I actually Andrew, genuinely have to say that you know it's kind of like a really strange bizarre situation but actually doing something like this I think was really it was great for me to be able to do it and uh, 
it was great to be able to get the information that you were kind of analyzing out there so also a useful well honesty check for me <laughs> does that make sense what i'm saying yeah <laughs> I, better, I better go check those figures again yeah that's true if you're actually going to say it to everybody yeah. you want to make sure that you're telling them the truth yeah because i've said to a few people like i i think part of the reason i got into doing all the detailed write-ups and the detailed tracking of the figures is I understand stuff better that way. Yeah. Like, you know, that that's what's always worked for me. If I want to if I want to really understand something, I need to actually write about it, basically, because it's that process f forces you to look at things and forces you to totally, go, yeah. is that true? Does yeah. that make sense? Does yeah. that make sense in relation to that other thing I saw? And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there, Andrew, who don't do the same thing. <laughs> don't. <laughs> Do due diligence they just riff yeah. but I, I'm delighted that, that slowly yeah. I've, I've been dropping most of my monitoring okay bit by bit yeah. you know so I still I still every day I go in and I put in the um, hospital new hospital cases and ICU cases right uh, you know and then I, I catch up every couple of days and where the cases are currently yeah. so but uh, it used to be like there was a long period of the pandemic I knew at 10 o'clock this data came out 12 o'clock this data came out yeah. Two o'clock in the afternoon, the data for Northern Ireland came out. You know, yeah. on Wednesdays they released the debts updates, and I had like a whole complex wow. calendar that yeah. I was going through. It was uh, yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm uh, so secure enough in that we're coming out of this yeah. that I don't that can I no longer have that compulsion. Reclaiming some of your life back. I can I can wait several hours before checking the data. And then you never know, we might come back with a plan. I mean, if people people are funding all sorts of stuff. So if they want to fund us to actually look at the world and tell them what's going on, <laughs> I don't mind. I can retire early. I'm totally into that. But um, anyway, they can all keep that in mind. Okay, thanks very all right. much. And maybe that's it. Yeah. Maybe. Oh. <laughs> maybe that's it. We both no, do not have COVID yet. <laughs> yes. Bye-bye. <laughs>